Dads and ladies, welcome to the Junior Classics. Hi there, I'm Sir Bradley Hassey, a teller of borrowed tales. Join me as I share stories of courage, adventure, and wonder. But don't take my word for it. You can find out for yourself on today's Junior Classic. Merry Christmas, Junior Scholars. I am Sir Bradley Hassey, your guide through the Junior Classics. If this is the first time you are listening, thank you for being here. I also want to thank my loyal listeners who listen each and every week. The mission of this podcast is to preserve the wisdom in the classics before it is lost forever, and to inspire children and families with a love of good reading and a lasting interest in Western history, literature, and scholarship. This is a special edition of the Junior Classics, our very first full cast production provided by the entire Hassey household who's in town for the holidays. From our family to yours, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. On episode five of season one, we are moving on to a new collection of stories from Hans Christian Andersen. H.C. Andersen was born in the kingdom of Denmark in 1805. He lived to be 70 years old. He wrote many plays, poems, and stories. Some of his most famous fairy tales include The Emperor's New Clothes, The Little Mermaid, The Nightingale, The Snow Queen, The Ugly Duckling, and many more, such as today's story called The Fir Tree. Anderson promoted the tale by reading it aloud at social gatherings. In December 1845, he read The Fir Tree and The Ugly Duckling to the Princess of Prussia, and then read the fir tree at Count Bismarck Boland's Christmas party. According to Anderson's diary, folklorist Wilhelm Grimm, one of the Grimm's brothers whose stories we just finished, was present at the party and liked the tale. So let us begin our stories from H.C. Anderson. Sometimes, when you are little, you feel like you can't grow up fast enough. You see older people doing things you want to do, and you are eager to get older and be able to do big people stuff. That is how the character in our story feels today, except he is not a person. He is a tree, a fir tree to be exact. He is such a small baby tree when we meet him that the rabbits in the forest jump over him for fun, which makes the tree quite embarrassed. He is eager to grow taller and move on from the place where he was born. When he finally does grow older, he finds out how unhappy he has become because he constantly looked for glory around the corner instead of being content in the moment. Before we move on to our story, lost and found words. Our lost and found word today is vexed. Vexed means to be affected by trouble or causing trouble. Now, on to the story. The Fir Tree by Hans Christian Andersen Out in the woods stood a nice little fir tree. The place he had was a very good one. The sun shone on him, as to fresh air there was enough of that, and round him grew many large-sized comrades, pines as well as firs. But the little fir wanted so very much to be a grown-up tree. He did not think of the warm sun and of the fresh air. He did not care for the little cottage children that ran about and prattled when they were in the wood looking for wild strawberries. 
The children came often with a whole pitcher full of berries or a long row of them threaded on a straw and sat down near the young tree and said, Oh, how pretty he is. What a nice little fur. But this was what the tree could not bear to hear. At the end of a year, he had shot up a good deal, and after another year, he was another long bit taller. For with fir trees, one can always tell by the shoots how many years old they are. Oh, were I but such a high tree as the others are, then I should be able to spread out my branches, and with the tops to look into the wide world. Then would the birds build nests among my branches, and when there was a breeze, I could bend with as much stateliness as the others. Neither the sunbeams nor the birds nor the red clouds which morning and evening sailed above him gave the little tree any pleasure. In winter, when the snow lay glittering on the ground, a hare would often come leaping along and jump right over the little tree. Oh, that made him so angry. But two winters were past, and in the third the tree was so large that the hare was obliged to go round it. To grow and grow, to get older and be tall, that, after all, is the most delightful thing in the world. In autumn, the woodcutters always came and felled some of the largest trees. This happened every year, and the young fir tree, that had now grown to a very comely size, trembled at the sight, for the magnificent great trees fell to the earth with noise and cracking. The branches were lopped off, and the trees looked long and bare. They were hardly to be recognized. And then they were laid in carts, and the horses dragged them out of the wood. Where did they go to? What became of them? In spring, when the swallows and the storks came, the tree asked them, Don't you know where they have been taken? Have you not met them anywhere? The swallows did not know anything about it, but the stork looked musing, nodding his head, and said, Yes, I think I know. I met many ships as I was flying hither from Egypt. On the ships were magnificent masts, and I venture to assert that it was they that smelled so of fur. I may congratulate you, for they lifted themselves on high most majestically. Oh, were I but old enough to fly across the sea. But how does the sea look in reality? What is it like? That would take a long time to explain, said the stork, and with these words off he went. And the sunbeams said, Rejoice in thy growth, rejoice in thy vigorous growth, and the fresh life that groweth within thee. And the wind kissed the tree, and the dew wept tears over him, but the fir understood it not. When Christmas came, quite young trees were cut down, trees which often were not even as large or of the same age as this fir tree, who could never rest but always wanted to be off. These young trees, and they were always the finest looking, retained their branches. They were laid on carts, and the horses drew them out of the wood. Where are they going to? They are not taller than I. There was one indeed that was considerably shorter. And why do they retain all their branches? Whither are they taken? The sparrows chirped. We know, we know. We have peeped in at the windows in the town below. We know whither they are taken. The greatest splendor and the greatest magnificence one can imagine await them. We peeped through the windows and saw them planted in the middle of the warm room and ornamented with the most splendid things, with gilded apples, with gingerbread, with toys and many hundred lights. And then? And then? What happens then? We did not see anything more. It was incomparably beautiful. I would fain know if I am destined for so glorious a career. That is still better than to cross the sea. What a longing do I suffer. Were Christmas but come, 
I am now tall, and my branches spread like the others that were carried off last year. Oh, were I but already on the cart. Were I in the warm room with all the splendor and magnificence. Yes, then something better, something still grander, will surely follow. Or wherefore should they thus ornament me? Something better, something still grander, must follow. But what? Oh, how long, how long I suffer. I do not know myself what is the matter with me. The air and sunlight said, Rejoice in our presence. Rejoice in thy own fresh youth. But the tree did not rejoice at all. He grew and grew and was green both winter and summer. People that saw him said, What a fine tree! And toward Christmas he was one of the first that was cut down. The axe struck deep into the very pith. The tree fell to the earth with a sigh. He felt a pang. It was like a swoon. He could not think of happiness for he was sorrowful at being separated from his home, from the place where he had sprung up. He well knew that he should never see his dear old comrades, the little bushes and flowers around him, any more, perhaps not even the birds. The departure was not at all agreeable. The tree only came to himself when he was unloaded in a courtyard with the other trees and heard a man say, That one is splendid. We don't want the others. Then two servants came in rich livery and carried the fir tree into a large and splendid drawing room. Portraits were hanging on the walls, and near the white porcelain stove stood two large Chinese vases with lions on the covers. There, too, were large easy chairs, silken sofas, large tables full of picture books, and full of toys worth hundreds and hundreds of crowns. At least the children said so. And the fir tree was stuck upright in a cask that was filled with sand. But no one could see that it was a cask, for green cloth was hung all round it, and it stood on a large, gaily-colored carpet. Oh, how the tree quivered! What was to happen? The servants, as well as the young ladies, decorated it. On one branch there hung little nets cut out of colored paper, and each net was filled with sugar plums, and among the other boughs gilded apples and walnuts were suspended, looking as though they had grown there, and little blue and white tapers were placed among the leaves. Dolls that looked for all the world like men, the tree had never beheld such before, were seen among the foliage, and at the very top a large star of gold tinsel was fixed. It was really splendid, beyond description splendid. This evening, how it will shine this evening, said they all. Oh, if the evening were but come, if the tapers were but lighted. And then I wonder what will happen. Perhaps the other trees from the forest will come to look at me. Perhaps the sparrows will beat against the window panes. I wonder if I shall take root here and winter and summer stand covered with ornaments. He knew very much about the matter, but he was so impatient that for sheer longing he got a pain in his back. And this with trees is the same thing as a headache with us. The candles were now lighted. What brightness, what splendor! The tree trembled so in every bough that one of the tapers set fire to the foliage. It blazed up splendidly. Help, help! cried the young ladies, and they quickly put out the fire. Now the tree did not even dare tremble. What a state he was in. He was so uneasy lest he should lose something of his splendor that he was quite bewildered amid the glare and brightness when suddenly both folding doors opened and a troop of children rushed in as if they would upset the tree. The older persons followed quietly. The little ones stood quite still. But it was only for a moment. Then they shouted so that the whole place re-echoed with their rejoicing. They danced around the tree, and one present after the other was pulled off. What are they about? What is to happen now? And the lights burned down to the very branches, and as they burned down, they were put out one after the other, 
and then the children had permission to plunder the tree. So they fell upon it with such violence that all its branches cracked. If it had not been fixed firmly in the cask, it would certainly have tumbled down. The children danced about with their beautiful playthings. No one looked at the tree except the old nurse, who peeped between the branches, but it was only to see if there was a fig or an apple left that had been forgotten. A story, a story, cried the children, drawing a little fat man toward the tree. He seated himself under it and said, Now we are in the shade, and the tree can listen too. But I shall tell only one story. Now which will you have? That about Ivity Avity, or about Clumpy Dumpy, who tumbled downstairs, and yet, after all, came to the throne and married the princess. Ivity Avity, cried some. Clumpy Dumpy, cried the others. There was such a bawling and screaming. The fir tree alone was silent, and he thought to himself, Am I not to bawl with the rest? Am I to do nothing whatsoever? For he was one of the company, and had done what he had to do. And the man told about Clumpy Dumpy that tumbled down, who notwithstanding came to the throne and at last married the princess. And the children clapped their hands and cried out, Oh, go on, do go on. They waited to hear about Ivity Avity too, but the little man only told them about Clumpy Dumpy. The fir tree stood quite still and absorbed in thought. The birds in the wood had never related the like of this. Clumpy Dumpy fell downstairs, and yet he married the princess. Yes, yes. That's the way of the world, thought the fir tree, and believed it all, because the man who told the story was so good-looking. Well, well, who knows, perhaps I may fall downstairs, too, and get a princess as wife. And he looked forward with joy to the morrow, when he hoped to be decked out again with lights, playthings, fruits, and tinsel. I won't tremble tomorrow. I will enjoy to the full of all my splendor. Tomorrow I shall hear again the story of Clumpy Dumpy, and perhaps that of Ivity Avity too. And the whole night the tree stood still and in deep thought. In the morning the servant and the housemaid came in. Now the splendor will begin again, thought the fir. But they dragged him out of the room and up the stairs into the loft, and here, in a dark corner, where no daylight could enter, they left him. What's the meaning of this? What am I to do here? What shall I hear now, I wonder? And he leaned against the wall, lost in reverie. Time enough had he too for his reflections, for days and nights passed on, and nobody came up, and when at last somebody did come, it was only to put some great trunks in a corner out of the way. There stood the tree quite hidden. It seemed as if he had been entirely forgotten. "'Tis now winter out of doors. The earth is hard and covered with snow. Men cannot plant me now, and therefore I have been put up here under shelter till the springtime comes. How thoughtful that is! How kind man is, after all! If it only were not so dark here and so terribly lonely, not even a hair, and out in the woods it was so pleasant, when the snow was on the ground and the hare leaped by, yes, even when he jumped over me, but I did not like it then. It is really terribly lonely here. Squeak, squeak, said a little mouse at the same moment, peeping out of his hole. And then another little one came. They snuffed about the fir tree and rustled among the branches. It is dreadfully cold, but for that it would be delightful here, old fir, wouldn't it? I am by no means old. There is many a one considerably older than I am. Where do you come from, and what can you do? They were so extremely curious. Tell us about the most beautiful spot on the earth. Have you never been there? Were you never in the larder where cheeses lie on the shelves and hams hang from above? 
where one dances about on tallow candles? That place where one enters lean and comes out again fat and portly? I know no such place, but I know the wood, where the sun shines, and where the little birds sing. And then he told all about his youth, and the little mice had never heard the like before, and they listened and said, Well, to be sure, how much have you seen? How happy you must have been! The fir tree, thinking over what he had himself related, Yes, in reality, those were happy times. And then he told about Christmas Eve, when he was decked out with cakes and candles. Oh, how fortunate you have been, old fir tree. I am by no means old. I came from the wood this winter. I am in my prime, and am only rather short for my age. What delightful stories you know. And the next night they came with four other little mice, who were to hear what the tree recounted. And the more he related, the more plainly he remembered all himself, and it appeared as if those times had been really happy times. But they may still come. They may still come. Humpy Dumpy fell downstairs, and yet he got a princess. And he thought at the moment of a nice little birch tree growing out in the woods. To the fir, that would be a real charming princess. Who is Clumpy Dumpy? So then the fir tree told the whole fairy tale, for he could remember every single word of it. And the little mice jumped for joy up to the very top of the tree. Next night, two more mice came, and on Sunday, two rats even. But they said the stories were not interesting, which vexed the little mice. And they, too, now began to think them not so very amusing either. Hmm. Do you know only one story? Asked the rats. Only that one. I heard it on my happiest evening. But I did not then know how happy I was. It is a very stupid story. Don't you know one about bacon and tallow candles? Can't you tell any louder stories? No. Then goodbye, said the rats, and they went home. At last, the little mice stayed away also, and the tree sighed. After all, it was very pleasant when the sleek little mice sat round me and listened to what I told them. Now that too is over, but I will take good care to enjoy myself when I am brought out again. But when was that to be? Why, one morning there came a quantity of people and set to work in the loft. The trunks were moved, the tree was pulled out and thrown, rather hard, it is true, down on the floor. But a man drew him toward the stairs where the daylight shone. Now a merry life will begin again. He felt the fresh air, the first sunbeam, and now he was out in the courtyard. All passed so quickly, there was so much going on around him, that the tree quite forgot to look to himself. The court adjoined a garden, and all was in flower. The roses hung so fresh and odorous over the balustrade. The lindens were in blossom, the swallows flew by, and said, Queer Vite, my husband is come. But it was not the fir tree that they meant. Now then, I shall really enjoy life, said he exultingly, and spread out his branches, but alas... They were all withered and yellow. It was in a corner that he lay among weeds and nettles. The golden star of tinsel was still on the top of the tree and glittered in the sunshine. In the courtyard, some of the merry children were playing who had danced at Christmas round the fir tree and were so glad at the sight of him. One of the youngest ran and tore off the golden star. Only look what is still on the ugly old Christmas tree, said he, trampling on the branches so that they all cracked beneath his feet. And the tree beheld all the beauty of the flowers and the freshness in the garden. He beheld himself and wished he had remained in his dark corner in the loft. 
He thought of his first youth in the wood, of the merry Christmas Eve, and of the little mice who had listened with so much pleasure to the story of Humpy Dumpy. "'Tis over. Tis past. Had I but rejoiced when I had reason to do so. But now tis past. Tis past." And the gardener's boy chopped the tree into small pieces. There was a whole heap lying there. The wood flamed up splendidly under the large brewing copper, and it sighed so deeply. Each sigh was like a shot. The boys played about in the court, and the youngest wore the gold star on his breast, which the tree had had on the happiest evening of his life. However, that was over now. The tree gone, the story at an end. All, all was over. Every tale must end at last. The End Today's story does not have a happy ending, and you may feel a little sad after listening to it, but the lesson in the story is beautiful and very important. Appreciate what you have, because you never know when you might lose it. I hope this will help you learn to slow down and live in the moment, instead of being too eager to grow up. Enjoy life and the little things in it. If you are always worried about growing up and being bigger, your life will pass you by without you even noticing. This is a vital lesson for parents, too. I sometimes feel so busy or preoccupied with things that I don't stop to appreciate the moment with my young family. I'm going to use this as a reminder that having such young, innocent, and curious children will only be for a fleeting moment. I am Sir Bradley Hasse. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Be brave, be loyal, and speak the truth. Now for you parents out there, I want you to understand why we are doing this, what we are trying to achieve, and how you can help us. This is a rescue operation to preserve the classics and the wisdom within before it is lost forever. Our goal is to inspire children with a love of good reading by safeguarding and breathing new life into the greatest stories in history and empower you, the parents, with a resource you can trust to enrich your child's mind and spirit. We don't want these stories and the wisdom within to be forgotten so our children don't have to learn these lessons on their own. The most important thing you can do for us is to spread the message and tell others about these stories and what we are doing. If you want to donate, we would love that as well. My promise is that 100% of donations will go to building the impact and quality of the Junior Classics. If you have feedback and thoughts on how we can do things better, please send an email to the junior classics at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.